limitless, limitless. And it was really cool because I, that's what I'm speaking about sort of this morning. So I was like, great, we've got a bit of a theme going here today, accidentally. And I like that because that means God's speaking, eh? Hey, um, when I was, who, who had heroes when they were a kid? I had, I had a hero. I remember as a, um, as a, I'm glad you have heroes. That's great. You can put those hands down. And was it me? Oh, it was me. Awesome. Just clarifying. Uh, so I had, my dad was a pilot, so I was an aeroplane mad. Um, and I used to read the Commando comics. Is anyone in the Commando comic era? And it'd be like the Germans would be like, Himmel, he's got me. And yeah. Uh, and uh, so, <laughs> and I, I um, got introduced to this guy called Douglas Bader. I don't know if anyone's heard of Douglas Bader, but he was um, a World War II fighter ace. And um, I read this book called Reaching for the Skies when I was about 12, and I just like, I was so hooked on this guy. And, and this guy had an amazing story because he didn't have the usual pathway to becoming a, a fighter ace. Uh, um, he was in uh, 1931. He crashed his plane, and um, and he had both of his uh, legs amputated around the knees. Who knows that that's not you know you're not going to feel confident if you're boarding a plane for in New Zealand watching the pilot go up with uh, no legs. But this guy he he crashed his plane and, and he had no legs and um, he's he, he's got a famous journal entry that he um, put down after the crash and he, and it was this. Crashed slow rolling near ground, near ground, bad show, and uh, sort of like the understatement of the year. You know, I lost my legs. It was a bad show. <laughs> but check this out. Just over a year later, um, inside that first year, he he was able to drive a car again. He got a car fitted out. This is like in the 1930s. Okay, so technology wasn't uh, you know quite there. And one year later, um, he was back in the air again, flying again. This is just like a year later. And then, unfortunately for him, though, the RAF, um, they revoked uh, their decision to let him become a pilot again. So he spent the next sort of five, six, seven years uh, grounded. And, and it says for two years, uh, in 1937 to 1939, Douglas Butter, he repeatedly requested to the RAF to give him posting because he could see that the war was pending. And he was and finally invited along to a selection meeting at a committee. And, um, and then he was disappointed to learn... Hello. pretty good actually I've worked this whole thing into my message because what I'm talking about is backup plan and we have them yeah let's just it's good to have a backup plan moving right along no that's not what I'm talking about anyway <laughs> you don't want a backup plan because God's got your plan A so anyway let's go back to the story of Douglas Barter who's with me okay so Douglas Barter he's petitioning he's like I want to be able to fly again and uh, the RAF came back to him and they said, sorry, we've only got ground jobs uh, available. And it appeared that he would never fly again. However, he just persisted and he persisted with his dream. And, he, and eventually he was given permission to enter active duty as a fighter pilot. And he went on to become a, a fighter ace with over 20 aerial victories, which is actually 
really, really legendary. And he did this within the space of a year and a half because he was shot down in 1941 and he spent the rest of the war in a prison camp and he tried to escape many times. Pretty cool story. And it's the, the other funny, uh, interesting thing about the story is that um, they think that he was so good at what he did because he had no legs. Because when, when uh, pilots are in aerial combat, they're pulling like heaps of G-forces. They're doing these loops and things. And the blood will rain from, uh, run from your head to your feet. But he didn't have any legs, so the blood had nowhere to go. So he was able to, to perform tighter maneuvers and outmaneuver his opponents. So what was like his disadvantage potentially uh, became his advantage. This is a great story because, you know why? Because he had a dream. He had a dream to fly. Then he had a broken dream. It didn't look like it was going to happen. But he was a man who would not let a dream go. And it became a great story because he persisted and he pursued and he was relentless to see his dream realized. And the the greatness about the story is that he saw it realized because he persisted and he went on and became a fantastic pilot. And for a 12-year-old reading this book, this was so inspirational. So inspirational because I I suddenly saw, wow, the, the secret of life is one of the secrets of life is persisting with your dreams. And when we capture something in our heart, to not let go of that thing that God has put within our spirit. And I, I know that I've sort of blurred the lines between Douglas Barter and God, but God has got, when He puts things in our lives, He does not want us to let go of them. And today I want to talk about keeping your faith flying. Keeping your faith flying. What does it take? And Paul is amazing. He writes this incredible prayer to us in Ephesians 3. 14 to 21. We've got a PowerPoint of this, so if we can get that up. There's no one back there. That's okay. We need another backup plan. So has anyone got the overhead projector? Maybe we can get that out. <laughs> okay, if you've got your Bibles here today, I'm going to read it, but we're going to refer back to this, so it will eventually get up there. Uh, it says this, for this reason. This is, uh, just before I start, this is a great prayer because this is, a, this is Paul encapsulating, Ephesians is an amazing book, but Paul's encapsulating the, the best of God's heart for us. So I want you to like really feed on this today. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner most being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to Him who was able to do immeasurably more than we could ask, imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is amazing. There's some stuff for us to feed on in this prayer. They are lo- this prayer is loaded up with such nuggety truths for our lives. And just I want to just truck through those verses and look at each verse and just look at the what is the key that is locked <coughs> that is locked within that verse. Verse 15 talks about the importance of our identity in the Father. 
Verse 16 is that we can be strengthened with power by the Spirit. Verse 17, this is a personal revelation of Christ's love in our hearts through faith. In verse 18, this is us receiving the power to grasp Christ's enormous love for everyone. Verse 19, this is knowing God's love and being full of of God. Verse 20, this is about us realizing His abundance for us, His mind-blowing goodness, and reflecting His glory to the world as the church. Isn't that awesome? These are amazing truths. Paul just keeps on building on how big and how good and how amazing that God is. And at the same time, he's saying, you are a part of this. You are a part of how big I am. You are a part of how good I am. This is a fullness that you see in me. This fullness is for your life. And he wants, he wants us to know this regardless of how small our town is or how small our bank account is or how small our heart feels or how small our vision is or how small our faith is. He is saying today, no matter where you are in life, I have got a big dream for you. Pick it up. I've got, this is my heart for you. You don't miss out on my promises. You know, um, we were talking about the, the bigness of God's love. We were singing about it, sorry, that His awesome, infinite love. And it's funny, this week, Tristan, um, he's just, Tristan loves numbers. And so he was trying to figure out this week how big infinity was. And so he, there's a little one up the top there, and he kept just putting zeros on this piece of paper, and he kept coming back to me with this piece of paper saying, is this infinity yet? <laughs> sorry a few more zeros and in the end we talked about the fact that infinity goes on forever you would have to have you know even a pile of these stacked to the floor with zeros on them that wouldn't be enough room to contain the number of zeros do you know God's love is like that it is limitless he has got limitless love for us to experience, limitless power for us to experience. Lynn was praying this morning in our prayer time about how that we are, that the promises of God are right in front of us, that we are actually in our promised land. Jesus Christ has opened the door for us to actually live in a place of promise. He wants us to stand on promise and live on promise. So today it's about how is your faith flying? How are you fa- is your faith flying? This prayer is for you today. It says that you would be strengthened with power in your innermost being, that Christ would dwell in your hearts, that you would be rooted and established in love, and that you may be filled to the fullness of God. This prayer is about you. Tell your neighbor this prayer is for you today. Come on. This is about you. This is about God doing something. This is about God in you. Um, earlier this year, I was flying into uh, Queenstown. And actually, I, as soon as I flew out of Christchurch, actually, I wasn't even going into Queenstown. The turbulence was dramatic. It was crazy. Uh, nothing was served on the flight. And we, we had to go 
higher above the, the wind, and, uh, and it was horrible. And, and we, we came into Queenstown, and, and there was cloud, and you just, you'd see a flash of a mountain uh, beside the wing, and it's like, how you doing there, sheepy? And everything is like, whoa, this is extreme. I am scared. And we got in, and I was like, so glad to be on the ground. So, has anyone else experienced that? That was only half of it, because on the way out of Queenstown, it was even worse, and we were flying in a bigger plane. It was crazy. And there were actually, like, men were grunting, and women were screaming, and nothing was served on the plane. It was like, it was scary. Man, if I was the pilot, I wouldn't have gone, yeah, to Queenstown. If I was flying that plane, I would have been, some, I want to go somewhere else. I would have stayed on the ground. But you know when we're a passenger and on a plane, we have actually no choice to go other than where the plane is going. And I want to tell you today that you are called to be the pilot of your faith. You're not called to be a passenger in life. You're not called to go along for the ride. You're called to pilot your faith. God has got us in a place where He's got an adventure and a position for our lives that He wants us to pursue. You know, Douglas Barter, he had to overcome some extraordinary odds before he was able to defeat the enemy and see his victories as a fighter ace. Do you know, as believers in Christ, as followers of Christ, none of us are exempt from the spiritual warfare realm. We all have a battle to face. There is, there is the devil who wants to take you out, and there is Jesus Christ who wants to give you armor and strengthen you with power so that you can stand in the day of battle. It says this in 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called when you were made uh, your confession in the presence of many, many witnesses. See, Paul wouldn't be telling Timothy to fight if there wasn't a fight. We are called to fight. You know, Christianity is not the easy road. It's not a ticket to heaven and just chill out and like, whoa, I'm just going to coast now that I've got my ticket. If you want to pursue, you know, your call and your destiny in your life, you've actually got to be, one, aware that there is a fight and then step up to the plate and fight like Jared was talking about today, throwing some kidney punches at the enemy. You are called to fight. Yeah, we're called to bring, thank you, Sue. We're called to bring heaven to earth. And it's not a walk in the park. It's not like building in Minecraft. Here we go. It's not like creating a Lego village. Bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth is a fight for territory. And it's exploiting for the kingdom of God. If we have no challenges in our faith, then as hard as it is to say, then our faith mustn't be worth being challenged. If we have no challenges in our faith, then is our faith, you know, worth being challenged? The devil wants to keep you permanently grounded in your life and out of action. But God wants to give you purpose and strength, but you've got to step up and you've got to take it and you've got to pursue it and you've got to wrestle for it and you've got to overcome because God has called you to be more than a conqueror. 
Verse 16. If we've still got that up there, let's just check back to that. Keeping our faith flying. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I want to just pick up here and say that Christ belongs in your heart. This is the first thing. Christ belongs in your heart. You know, the first point I want to say today is that you need to drill out a dwelling place for God in your life. If you want to be flying in your faith, drill out a dwelling place for God to live within your heart. A dwelling place is a place of residence, it's a space, and it's a home. Do you know, Christ actually wants to take up a place of, and be at home within your life. He has to feel it. He wants to live in your life. He wants to feel like he belongs. There's got to be a space and a place for Christ to reside. You know, Christ dwelling in our heart, it's like the epi, having an epicenter of strength in our life. When Christ is in our heart, we have an epicenter of strength. See, he wants victory to run through our veins, doesn't he? And if he is the epicenter of our strength, then victory will literally run through our veins. It says um, the center of our strength isn't within our, oh, sorry, the center of our strength isn't within our finances, our popularity, or our abilities. Nehemiah verse 8 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy of the Lord, that is your strength. See, the mountain, getting back to this battle thing, the mountain that you face must be faced with strength for it to be overcome. It must be faced with an inner resolve to be overcome. We can't ignore the mountain. We can ignore the mountain. You can go round and round the mountain, but God's calling us to take territory, and so we actually have to take down those mountains. You know, every one of us, if we are fighting the fight of faith, every one of us has a mountain to overcome. And I don't, I don't know what your mountain is, but God's in relationship with you, and He wants to hold your hand and show you that mountain and say, with me and you, we can take that mountain down. We can move that mountain to the sea. We're getting rid of that mountain because I'm your strength. With Christ in your heart, that will give you the strength to take down the mountain. Strength is connected to joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. When strength is in my heart, I'm in a good mood. Who knows that? When you're feeling strong, you're in a good mood. And I know I have a whole lot less joy when I'm feeling powerless. And God has not called us to be powerless. But man, He wants to be full of strength and full of joy. I know Debbie doesn't want me to be grumpy. Like she, she doesn't want a grumpy husband. But I know when I'm feeling defeated on the inside, man, I just so much easier to go to the grumpy department. Hey, we're Christians. We're more than conquerors. We're different from the world, aren't we? We've got something on the inside. We've got Christ within our hearts. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We've got something to be joyful about because we're not doing life alone. Christ wants to dwell within our hearts and just reveal His strength and His goodness to our lives. So make some room. Maybe you need to remove some of the clutter from our lives. Maybe I do still, you know. Maybe we need to rearrange the furniture, move the TV from the center of the room and put, you know, give Jesus the best seat in the house because that's what he deserves in your life, the best seat in the house. In John 15, verse 3 and 4, it says, he says, I'm the vine. I am the vine. Without me, you're not going to bear any fruit. I'm the vine and you are the branches. 
you are plugged in. You're, you're sharing the same sap. <laughs> you're, you're grafted in, grafted into the strength of Christ. And it says that we will not uh, produce fruit unless we are grafted in to the vine, unless we're dwelling with Christ. So Christ dwelling with Christ, living, abiding, remaining in our lives produces fruit. How hard? Has anyone ever tried to relocate a tree that's been in the ground for like five or six years? It's just like the roots have gone in and it's become established. It's so much harder to move. Its position is set. Having said that, we've got a, a, a friend who his job is to transfer aircraft fuel around the South Island. I think it's just the South Island anyway. And he was telling me that before the fuel is pumped uh, from the tanker, there's this test that they have to run on the water to fuel ratio. Because if there's basically any water in the fuel, the fuel is not suitable to be pumped from the tanker to the fuel, uh, to the holder to go to the, yeah, to go to the airplane. Because fuel in you know, fuel in, in, um, in, a, in a jet engine works, but water in a jet engine does not work. So it's essential that there's no mix of water because who knows when you're flying, your, your engine stops, you just can't pull over to the side of the road and stop and go, oh, gee, let's go just call up the AA. No. Making sure there is the right fuel in that plane is essential for it to fly well. You know, the preparation for fuel of that flight is essential. The fuel for our faith is acquired from a life that is searching for greater depth and greater dimension in, in God. You know, like that tree that is well established in the ground. It's not going anywhere. It takes time for a tree to be established. Oil doesn't just lie around in puddles, does it? It's got to be pursued. It's got to be discovered and extracted before it can be used. Oil is drawn up from the deep places within the earth. Second point today is that your environment determines your depth. How deep you're going to go. What Does your environment a place where you can put your roots down and belong and stay and mature in Christ? It says in verse 17 and 18, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that you may have power together with all God's uh, holy people, to grasp how high and wide and long and high the deep of love of Christ is. Do you know, wherever you're planted today is where you're drawing your strength from. And it takes time to establish a great tree. And I simply want to say, stay planted and be established. Stay planted in your faith. Stay planted in your church. Make sure that the people around you are the people that feed you that you can dig deeply with into God. Let's not live life on the surface, but let's be a people that go deep, deep, deep down into God. You know, a bonsai tree, they're pretty cool looking little things, aren't they? And they can be really, really old, but they only grow really, really tiny. They could grow along, you know, they could grow huge, but because they've got like just a few centimeters of soil, they can never get their roots down. And the potential that's within that tree is just limited because it never got its roots down. Verse 18 tells us that our place of establishment takes us to the place of understanding the depth and the love of Christ. 
when you are established, when you are secure, whether it's in church, in family, in your connection with the Father, that's where you're going to draw the love of Christ from. Pot plants don't grow huge. And I want to say, don't be a pot plant Christian. Get your roots down. Stay secure and uh, you will grow uh, high and tall. Being established in Christ gives us a grasp on his goodness. It says, um, what verse was that? Sorry, I haven't got that note. Anyway, that we would grasp, that's right, that we would grasp the height and the depths of God's love. When we grasp a hold of something, we have a hold in something. When we grasp a hold of something, we have a hold in something. We're not just looking at it. We're not just smelling it. We're not just hearing it. But when we grasp a hold of something, we're securing ourselves to it. In Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, Study the book of instruction continually. This is the Bible. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. just want to pick up on one word here. It says meditate on it. That word, the Hebrew word for meditate is imagine. Take time to imagine God's promises working through your life. Meditate on the promise. That is another way of getting your roots down. Dwell on the promises. The third thing I want to say today is create an environment of expectation around your life. There's... um, John Wimber was uh, an amazing pastor who planted vineyard churches right throughout the world. And there's thousands of churches today. Now this John Wimber was a pastor who one day heard God's voice and said, hey, I want you to start praying for healing for people. And so he was like, okay, well, this is good. If I, if I start praying and preaching about healing, I'm just going to see this thing happen. So he started preaching healing in church and nothing happened and so he's like I'm going to give this up and God's like no you keep doing this if you walk away from this then things aren't going to go well for you it was pretty quite a severe rebuke so he just kept preaching healing and praying for people and no one was healed over a year went by half his church left it got to the end of a Sunday night meeting when they're just pursuing healing and nothing had happened. And he was with his leadership team behind the curtain. And they're, based, they're on the floor crying. They're broken. They're like, nothing's happening. One guy said, I'm never going behind the curtain again. He gets in his car. God gives him a verse. He goes home, opens the verse, opens the Bible. And, and uh, the verse was, he dwelleth behind the curtain. So actually, the guy literally went into his chicken coop and started throwing stuff over his head. He was like... I'm so bad. But anyway, so the next day, he, uh, John Wimber, I think it's the next day, he gets a call from a man who says, my wife is sick at home in bed, and she is really bad. And so he went, he went around to her uh, house, and he, he said, you know, you know a woman is sick when they invite you up to their bedroom to be prayed for. And so he went up to, and he, and he prayed, and healing in Jesus' name. He immediately turns around to the husband and starts saying, hey, you know, God doesn't always heal people and just, you know, starts explaining why God doesn't heal people. And then the husband's looking past him with this big grin just appearing on his face and the woman's out of bed and and she's like, I'm 100% better and do you want any breakfast? It's awesome. One year of standing on the promise. Do you know, 
In closing, I want to talk about the importance of standing on the promise, being established on the promise. See, being established on the promises of God over our lives connects us with His promises for us. It was like he stood on the promise and then these roots went down through his feet and the, and, the, and the promise grew up within him and suddenly it began to flow out of his life. I don't understand why sometimes I pray for people and they get healed and sometimes they don't get healed. But I'm going to keep standing on the promise because that is my promise. And I believe there's some people here today who just need to say, you know, I need to make some room again for Christ in my heart. I want to be someone who stands on the promise, who will believe for God's finest and best for my life. Yes, again, I will say that my God has got immeasurably more than I could hope, ask, dream, or imagine. Because that is our God. That is how good He is. He wants us to lift our eyes up and know that He is good over our lives every single day. In Ephesians 1 verse 18, it says that, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you're called. And that word enlightened, it's, a, it's the Greek word for that is photizo. I don't know, I probably said that wrong. And that's where we get the word photograph from. So it's talking about creating a place in our heart that is developing a culture of God's pictures for our life, of God's promises for our life. He wants us to be a people who carry and steward His promise. Yeah. Do you want to be a person who carries and stewards the promise of God? It's not easy. It, there are, you face disappointments. But he's calling us to stand again. You know, like Douglas Barter, man, he had no legs. He didn't just stand, he flew. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. You know, I'm aware of people in this church who are contending at the moment for God's best for their life and their situations, whether it be health, finances, family, relationships. And this includes that. God's promises include what you're standing on today and believing for. Let's just stand, church. We'll just have the band up. That'll be cool. George Mueller, I don't know who he was, but he said a good quote. He said, Faith begins where man's power ends. Today, if you feel like you're just at the end of yourself, I just want to say you're in a good place. You're in a good place because God wants and is well able, well able to bless and provide all of our needs according to His riches and glory. He is well able to strengthen your heart today. He is well able... You know, it's safe to take a hold of Him today. Maybe today you've let go of your hold in some of these places. But it says that we must take a hold of Him so that then we can experience Him.